What's going on, everybody? Episode 265 of Top Rope Nation. It is a to be a cooler late summer evening here in the state of Iowa. But Justin, I feel I feel some heat. I feel some anger coming from the east of us over in Cleveland, Ohio, where we find Mr. Kyle Ross. Kyle, how are you doing tonight? Not good, Ryan. Not fucking good. <laughs> Just knew all day that was going to be the first thing you said. Just knew it. Oh, we're going to get into that. Kyle was at AEW Dynamite last night. He's got some thoughts on what he witnessed in person and what all of us saw on TBS. Justin Join, how are you doing tonight? I'm not too bad. Um little bummed out that one of my favorite basketball players got traded to the freaking Lakers. Pat Bev, love me some Pat Bev. Uh, so, you know, recovering from that. I haven't even seen that yet. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I'm suffering through my first week back teaching school this week. It's a long week. Started on Tuesday, uh, one more day. I like when they have the short weeks to start the school year. These long weeks are just, it's, it's tough to get through. One more day. And then I can spend this weekend watching SummerSlam 1992 because that is on the agenda for us next week. If you're not a patron already, we are reviewing for this month's Top Rope Nation Classics SummerSlam 92. We're recording it early in the week, putting it out late in the week. Should be a lot of fun. I am looking forward to SummerSlam 92. And Kyle, you've been talking a little 1992 WWF lately. Why don't you tell the listeners where they can find that? Well, first off, I apologize for getting up if anyone was watching the video there. That's real professional uh, to start the program here. But in preparation of potentially being called a WWE apologist on this program, I was looking for this WWE, which is nonsense for the record. But I was looking for this WWE side plate that I had from a broken belt. And I don't know. I can't find it. I threw it out, I think, because oh that's how God. I feel about the WWE. But... Uh, yes, I am no stranger to 1992 in the World Wrestling Federation, as uh, I have started covering that particular year with our good buddy Liam O'Rourke over at Squared Circle Gazette. Part one of our look at 1992 uh, is now available over at Squared Circle Gazette. Please give it a try. We cover January and February as these scandals ramp up. And the decision is made to go with a double main event at WrestleMania 8. Only four hours of your time is required to listen to those two months. <laughs> I'm very glad that it's you know still warm enough outside that I can do yard work and pop in the headphones and listen to you and Liam talk old school WWF. It's, it's a great listen. Highly recommend you guys checking it out. Of course, Liam O'Rourke is a longtime supporter of our show. And, and him and Kyle have been collaborating for a long time as well. So if you like classic wrestling, you will really, really enjoy that. Justin, and, you make make it through that yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think it's going to be at least another four hours when we do just March and <laughs> WrestleMania 8. Because March 1992 uh, is when the shit hit the fan in Titan Sports. So that'll be good. And then, of course, like you said, Summer 792. So it was cool because like I took everything I'd been studying for the beginning of the year and 
you know, I was like, fuck, there's only a couple other months to really study. Let's just do all 92. And I have a lot of good notes for that show. I'm really looking forward to the next classics. We've been on fire here in 2022 on the old TRN classic tip. And uh, I expect this to be a fantastic show for all you patrons. If you're not a patron, please sign up because we're going to nail it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's definitely going to go past two hours. Uh, probably about a two and a half hour show, I think. We're talking a SummerSlam 92. So sign up. You can hear it. I think it'll be like the 86th bonus show we've done on Patreon, which is it's crazy to think about. I mean, that's more podcasts, more more podcast episodes than most podcasts main feed even even lasts. And that's just our bonus shows over on Patreon. Ooh. So, uh, and yeah, while we're talking old school and me and our Patreon. Also being recorded next week here for Patreons of Top Rope Nation. Uh, Rick Skelton, also from the other side of the Atlantic, uh, will be joining me as we will be talking about the history of the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, came into existence on September 1st, 1979, when Pat Patterson won a grueling one-night tournament. Wink, wink. But uh, we'll be giving our Mount Rushmore picks. That's top four, for those of you unfamiliar with that particular uh, rock uh, that I recently visited over the summer. Uh, so, so that should be a lot of fun as well. Not sure when that's going to hit, you know, the got some flexibility with that, obviously, but we're recording, uh, I believe Tuesday is when we have that penciled in Rick and I Rick Skelton, a, a real man's man, a great supporter of ours. He was on extra just a few, what was it, a few weeks ago, a month ago, you guys talked about yeah. like the different eras in WWE, WWF history. Awesome show. Yeah. So let's <laughs> just play him onto the show, playing that theme song. Looking forward to that. Should be a great discussion. Just another reason to sign up. But you know what? If you don't have the extra five bucks a month to support us on Patreon, there's plenty of free things you can do to support us, like subscribing to the YouTube channel. We're streaming right now on YouTube. Subscribe there. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Leave us a written review and five stars. Guys, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to AEW Dynamite. This is what everyone's tuning in for. We're going to start right away with what I assumed was going to be the last match on the show, but it was not. I see some people checking into our live chat right now. They're ready to talk about Alan checked in and said, uh, sup guys. So what do you want to talk about? Last night's dynamite was, uh, something. Yeah, that is for sure. I mean, my Twitter feed was all over the map on this. Some people really liked it and how they did this. Other people, nuclear heat going on with, you know, the match didn't last very long. If you didn't see it, uh, Punk injures himself, loses clean to Moxley in just, what, a couple of minutes, if that. It was very, very brief. Clean win. Uh, they had to have people come out from the back to help Punk from the ring. Moxley celebrates, flips off Punk, and that's that. So the biggest match in Dynamite history ended very quickly. They did do a good rating for it. I mean, they got over a million viewers again for this. I saw they were number one in 18 to 49 on cable again. I think a 0.34 rating in that. But Kyle, you were in the building there in Cleveland for this. Uh, so take us through what this went over like there live in the venue. A lot of confusion. So people were like, what? This is coming on now? And I, I had... You know, of course, I've got the Twitter open while I'm sitting there. And I was like, yeah, there's, I guess on commentary, they're saying the match is coming up next. And my buddy, uh, who had really like no clue what was going on, not a real wrestling watcher, he was just there for the 
good times. It's like, okay. And then he missed it, actually. He missed the whole match. Went to go get something. He's like, oh, I'll have time, I'm sure. And then, yeah, he came back, you know, pretzel, beer. It's like, you missed it, bro. But <sighs> um, he was confused when I told him that. And there was a lot of confusion, I think, in the building as to what happened. Um, at least where we were, I, the injury deal wasn't that apparent. And it just was like, okay, this is what we came to see. And now it's over. And okay. <laughs> I mean, how mad would you be if you bought a ticket just to see that match? Oh, I was joking. So shout out to uh, my buddy, Brian, um, you know, vet ticks. I'll put that service over. If you're in the military, I guess you're eligible for that. If you're not, uh, you're shit out of luck. You can't do it. But, uh, you know, thanks to vet ticks, um, you know, we got real cheap tickets, you know, for good, nice, affordable price. But if I would have paid normal price for those tickets, I would have been freaking irate last night. Like I would have punched somebody out. Probably. I was that pissed off leaving the building. You're pretty close to you. You told us in our text thread some of the things that you were getting ready to just yell at the top of your lungs, and uh, that could have erupted into a brawl. Yeah. So, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know, man. Um, the, to me, and the way I'm approaching tonight's podcast, it's not just about Mox and Punk last night. There is a far bigger problem with all elite wrestling going on right now as we head to uh, all out. But uh, I just, I don't know, I. I thought what they did just wasn't good. Like, it didn't make me more interested in a rematch at all. Mm -mm. Um, and we can go over potential directions and what they might be. And I, I, I don't know, man. I just think if you're a new person, like two people that I was with watch, they're like, what? That was the main event? It, like, it's not the length that bothered me. It's what they're doing with CM Punk versus what they should be doing with CM Punk. I'll allow someone else to have the floor though right now. I'm going to Justin here. I mean, yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see what kind of rating next week's show does after this. Justin, what were your thoughts on last night? I started it late. Uh, I was watching on the DVR. Um, my phone started buzzing and I saw you two starting to message back and forth. And without spoiling anything, I definitely started to sense that something happened that you guys weren't too keen on. And at that point, I was like, eh, screw it. I want to see it for myself. So I, I put the phone away and just continued on with the show. Uh, no spoilers. And I loved it. I, I thought it was amazing. Specifically talking about punk and mocks. I, I agree with Kyle that there are other problems going on and AEW, but for that match itself, I'm kind of surprised to hear you guys talk about next week because the one thing for sure that match did for me was make me more intrigued to watch next week to see what they're going to do. And I have some ideas as to what that'll be. And I mean, especially when you talk about like, did it leave me confused? Did it leave me bored? No. I, and it got everybody talking. And there's ways that I think they can they can easily do Punk Mox 2 at All Out. I think one of the big problems with it, I agree with some of what you said, um, is that it's so soon. I mean, as we record this, we're 10 days from All Out. If they would have done this, like if they would have had the time and they did this, you know, a month ago or something, and they had more time to build that All Out match, it would have made more sense. We We talk on this podcast so much about how 
AEW has three months to build these pay-per-views. And a lot of times they seem kind of directionless for most of the matches. And then at the very last minute, they pull us in and they just go full bore. I mean, we have no idea what the world title match is going to be. They didn't give us any follow on the show whatsoever after the angle. So I guess, you know, that gives you a reason to tune in if you're not so pissed that you don't want to tune in. So that's what that's what intrigues me, because to me, it just felt so much bait and switch like this was the story all summer is when punk gets back we get the unified title match that's the biggest match they could possibly do they promote it like hell to draw the big rating and then that's what that's the finish they do i just i don't really like it feels like the worst of wwe to me like it feels like something wwe would do well as far as the build-up yeah normally they are very good long-term storytelling to booking these pay-per-views But I think when you consider all the injuries they were dealing with this summer, especially when it comes to punk, you know, there's a good chance that Tony didn't know what he was going to have available to put this card together, especially with his main event. And maybe it was short term notice. It's like, well, what am I going to do? And I need to spice it up because me personally, I mean, was there any doubt before last night if they would have just had this match at all out, punk was going to win? To me, there was no real intrigue as to who was going to win this match. Now I think there is a little bit more intrigue because playing up the punk injury angle, you know, I saw a lot of people online, which I don't totally agree with, who think the injury, you know, may be real and he might actually be on his way out. And this is a way to get the title off him. You know, I think those people are being worked by the story. Mm-hmm. But for me, it made mocks look even bigger than he already was because he squashed punk. And now we've got this injury thing going where, and here, I'll just tell you now what I think is going to happen next week. Punk has already said it in at least two promos that I can remember. If not more, I think he's going to come out with the mic where he does the promo. It's like, I told you I was going to do this until the wheels fell off. Well, I think the wheel fell off, but I can't go out like with what happened last week. I need one more match. I need one more chance against mock, you know, to prove I still got it in the spring that I'm still the best in the world. And I, I probably wouldn't make it like a straight up, like career versus title, but I think you can play into that injury angle to drum up a little bit more drama with it. Honestly, my only complaint about the whole thing is that it, it's just a little too similar to what they're doing with Omega right now. The guy, com- yeah, the guy coming d- back from injury and, you know, can he actually go? Go ahead, Kyle. No, yeah, I, I just written that on, like, Facebook, like, a, a couple hours ago that, like, I was like, there's no quality control here. In your two top programs, you're doing guys who are maybe rusty. Here's an issue, though, and it plays into the confusion that was live in the building. I know they harped on this after the match on TV, but... Correct me if I'm wrong. There was like no talk of, oh, is Punk's is Punk coming back too soon in the one week build to this match? Was there? No, and and I'm, see, I'm seeing a lot of that with AEW where they create the storyline after the fact. Mm-hmm. And so like we're all sitting there like, well, what the fuck was that? And it's like if you had harped, oh, maybe it's too soon. Maybe he should be coming back. And again. I've been harping on this for weeks. I'm going to keep harping on it. There is a happy medium between not talking about it at all like they didn't do and the WWE way, which would be like, you know, 
Pat McAfee running around the building with a banner saying, can he come back? Is he okay? The ankle, the ankle, the ankle. I mean, you did the uh, Michael Cole impression, a very lovely Michael Cole impression uh, during our Canadian Stampede Patreon show, Ryan. And, you know, that's how they would do it. They would drill it in your head so much. Like, we get it, man, the freaking ankle. And you would know Mm -hmm. it would play into the finish. There's a happy medium there. So it just feels to me like they're not getting the storylines across ahead of time. I don't know if they're allergic to that, if they think it gives stuff away. But you do have to kind of, you know, open the window a little bit for where to show the audience where you're going. To me... The problem with AEW and people, you know, people say, I don't know where they're going. This is kind of cool. But the problem is it's the destinations that are unclear. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's good when destinations are unclear. If you have a state and people know where you're going, but you murky it up on the journey. And I'll give some examples because on our Facebook page, Garrett Gonzalez, our good friend, he referenced 97 WWF. And it's actually excellent examples of what I'm talking about there. I'll give them later on. But I, I just think the whole idea is we don't know what's going on. And Justin has scenarios. I've got scenarios. I think we'll get into that next. That sounds like what's coming up next. I just look at these scenarios and I don't think any of them are appealing at all for this punk mocks direction, like at all. I have three different scenarios and I think they all are wrong Yeah, or bad. To, to your point on if they talked about him coming back too soon, I mean, they did the opposite. When he came out, he did the thing where he jumped on one foot to show that he was completely healed. Right, that he's totally ready to go. I actually disagree with one of the points Justin made. I I actually don't question the result more at all out now. I would actually say the opposite. So Meltzer reported that this is still the plan. We'll see, but he says Moxley Punk is still the plan at all out. So doing this match makes me even more certain Punk is going to win it all out. Yeah, because because oh. I can't imagine him losing again after they did this. And that, that's one of the big problems with this. With this, To me, I, I question if you're still going to do it at all out. I don't know why you do the match at all on Dynamite. I, I just don't think it served any purpose, personally. I think it's now foregone conclusion that Punk wins. And um, I yeah, my theory on how they set it up. So there's been a lot made of Punk sold the, you know, it was the, the plant leg. And so I don't know if they're going to say like he sprained his ankle or something. And, you know, he'll work with just like a, a wrap on his leg or something. They do a street fight. You know, something like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that what they're going to do is they're going to, I guess, are they going to say, oh, well, he, we all thought he was fine, but then he just re-injured it. And now that's going to be our storyline the second time around. But I, I'm actually with you, Ryan, that I also think, I mean, the idea that Punk would lose twice. Yeah, I, I had more intrigue with All Out as the first match, that they might beat him in Chicago. And who knows? It, it, it was kind of like the feeling you had last night where we didn't know who was going to win. That's what you would have had it all out. Now, they announced the rematch 11 days later. I'm pretty damn certain Punk's going to win. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe not. Go ahead, Justin. I was just going to say, I mean, they did reference in their promos uh, Punk coming back from the broken foot numerous times. I mean, it, it was part of the story coming into this match. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and and they and they can talk about now how him being maybe a little bit too arrogant by when he hopped in the ring by doing it by jumping off the top rope and landing on the ring that hey maybe that caused the issue. Yeah, I just think it's that they're like inventing the storyline afterwards, and they didn't yeah. tease that. I don't think they teased it up. Like we all knew he was coming back from an injury, mm. but the idea, like it seemed like no, he's a hundred percent, he's ready to go, and I, I kind of want to keep harping on it. I'm interested to. 
hear what potential directions Justin has here because I, I have three. Okay. One is punk triumphant babyface gets his revenge at all out. Okay. He perseveres through the injury or whatever, and he wins. If so, I just don't know. And, and he's going to carry on like a, a proud babyface champion. If so, I just don't know why you beat him the way you did last night. If you're, if that's the plan, if he's going to be the babyface champion for at least a couple months or whatever, I just don't know why you do that. You, mm-hmm. you like to me, a babyface champion should never get beaten like that, ever. Um, and you know, we've seen the shocking squash win in AEW, followed by revenge twice both times with cody against the you know the late great roadie lee and you know mal black and neither time did the revenge win seem cool it was just like of course he got his win back it's like man it was cool when he got squashed but then he got his win back and okay we're all even it's you know 50 50 what we Mm -hmm. people complain about wwe so that's one scenario and i don't think that's particularly interesting the second uh, actually, the second and the third both involve, you know, Punk turning heel, which I think is inane. It's Chicago. Right. And prior to the last two weeks, there was absolutely nothing that suggested this man should turn babyface. Again, we're at the one year anniversary of what is probably the peak moment in AEW's history. CM Punk. Yeah. debut at the United Center. And he made a triumphant hero's return from injury when he saved Mox in Minneapolis. People were upset to see him. They were thrilled to see him. They were throwing babies in the air. Oh, my God, our hero is back. So I, I just don't know why it's in someone's head that this man should be turning heel right now. I just don't get it. I mean, might there be a AE? Are they going to play up Oh, this discontent with these newcomers against the AEW originals and CM Punk is going to be like a leader of the heel newcomers. Maybe there's a time and place for that. I just don't think it's right now. No. The calendar is not falling correctly for that kind of story with where the show is at. You're exactly right. I mean, some kind of slow burn into the heel turn. He sold the thing where he looked back over his shoulder. You know, everyone was cheering Moxley's victory. Um, oh, I don't know. We'll see. I agree with you, though. This is not the time. We've pined for Punk to turn heel on the show eventually, but not right now. Not no. not coming off of the coming off of the injury return. You're right. Minneapolis was a great moment, and it's no. I mean, this this company's done babyface, babyface all the time. It's not a problem, and it's very, very questionable booking. I don't know what's going on right now. It's just it seems like they're trying to get too cute with this to me. We'll see. Justin, any thoughts? Um, I agree with you guys that you can't for, you know, obviously they're in Chicago is the the biggest reason why you don't want to turn punk heel right away. But I think there's ways of doing it, you know, in the the months that come afterwards, because there was, I mean, at the very, I mean, when that match was getting started, you know, he was getting a negative reaction. Then once, you know, the bell rang and they were circling each other, then it became a little bit more 50 50. He was getting a negative reaction, yeah. I mean, it was it was definitely more pro Mox the crowd last night, but that was because that crummy promo that everyone was telling me was good last week. 
It's because of the dynamic. Well, you think a lot of that because AEW fans are very plugged into the internet. Do you think that that's with all that's because of all the stories? Is Punk not happy? Is there real heat between him and Moxley? Which I don't believe that there's real heat between him and Moxley. Him and Hangman's a whole different story. In, in uh, this instance, yeah. I don't know what else it would be. Well, other than he, like I said, he just you know. I think for some, it's being plugged in and following along with these storylines. And again, I'm going to go back to what I said on the Patreon show with Jesse that we did. And people could check that out if they haven't. I think he largely hit all the wrong notes in that promo last week on Dynamite, which is why I was so critical of it. I mean, if they want to turn him heel, I guess mission accomplished with that promo. I just think it's a stupid idea to turn him heel right now. Yeah, I definitely, like I was, yeah, wouldn't do it right now, but I could see a scenario where he wins the title at all out by the skin of his teeth, you know, a gritty baby face win. And then after that point, he realizes his injuries are too significant to keep winning that way. So he has to start maybe taking shortcuts or, or cheat. And that's something you can slowly kind of build out, you know, over months. I agree with that, that there absolutely was a place that if he's holding on to the title for a while and maybe there's another baby face who's get who's really getting over. Right. And people start to want to see that person get the title. And Punk's like, oh, I don't. And Punk kind of starts ducking him, maybe like passive aggressively. And then it gets less passive aggressive and more overt where, you know, oh, well, I don't like him. And, you know, then, you know, he may he starts cheating in matches like Justin said, yes, there's a scenario for it. I just think all out in Chicago is not what I would do it. To me, the storyline was so simple for this pay-per-view. One year after the guy's first match back in seven years, he returns and he competes for the title to win it. Like I would have held off him winning it till this pay-per-view, that's, to be that's honest. That's still happening, though. That's still happening. That exactly but as a universal, but as a universal baby face. Yeah, that's I mean, I get I think they've heard him, which is a problem with the entire roster. They've hurt everybody on this roster. Again, I think we're about to go into it. It's if this if this issues that we're talking about was just solely with CM Punk and John Moxley program, that'd be one thing. But I mean, I think that this promotion and the TV over the last is just goddamn downright rotten. I want to go into something I'm seeing in the chat here. So David checked in and he said, if MJF returns at all out, it all makes sense. Well, I, okay. I got a theory on this. Let me get let me get to this. So he can still win the title at all out. It can be a babyface moment. It's his hometown. He doesn't have to play heel there. But they can still play into what he teased after he lost and how he looked at the fans when they were cheering Moxley. And we know Punk loves Bret Hart. We know that Punk loves to recreate moments from Bret Hart's career. Where are they at after Chicago? They got three shows in a row in New York, right? I'm looking at the schedule right now. Right after All Out, they go to Buffalo for Ramp- Rampage and Dynamite. They go to Albany, and then they have that show in Queens. So after he wins the title, what they could do is he could have his post-WrestleMania 13 moment where he comes out. And he talks about all he's done for AEW, and he worked so hard to get back. He won the title, and these fans turned on him. They want to cheer somebody like MJF or John Moxley, and then MJF comes back because they're in his 
home state, New York, and eventually they're going to be in Queens, you know? So, and you know, MGF's going to get cheered when he comes back for sure. So that could be almost like the double turn moment. And that could lead right into punk and MJF, which we all see on the horizon. And, you know, he just cuts this promo where like he basically paints it just like Brett did in 97, that the fans turned on him. And to me, that look he gave at the end of dynamite kind of gave me that feeling that that's the direction he's going to go. We'll see. I feel that this though, compared to Brett 97 is less organic and more stupidity. (laughs) <laughs> very well they very well may be the case but we we all agree that mjf's getting cheered certainly if they're in New i York. mean i guess well well here's the thing and, and when you think about this mjf because people keep saying mjf mjf savior him as a heel doing the tony khan as a mark aew sucks is a disastrous idea like disastrous horrible mm-hmm. should not be even thought of by anyone like if that's like a the play that's like really stupid because it's just going to make the promotion look bad. Yeah. But I, again, I mean, I guess if that's the plan, if they want MJF to be the baby face and it's going to be all about, hey, we didn't want these guys here. AEW was rocking way before this. Well, and, Stuart, you know, Stuart said in the chat, um, surely if they want MJF to be a baby face, Chicago's a bad idea. And I agree. I said that on the show weeks ago, that if they actually want MJF to be booed, they should bring him out in Chicago because he will be booed there, but everywhere else, where else he will be cheered. So if they save it for New York again, his, you know, he's from what long Island. So if, in the New York, you know, state itself, they're going to be there for three weeks in a row. He's going to get cheered in all of those places, Albany, Buffalo, Queens. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. I, I just think again, going back to what I originally said, you know, okay, punk, is very well maybe going to win the world title here at All Out, like I said, which should be in the grand scheme. I think this should have been his first shot. I think the whole storyline is one year after his first shot. It should have been like, you know, the not the boyhood dream and Shawn Michaels, but they should have held it off to me, his very first shot. One year later, my God, he came back last year, and now he's ready to take over the world. I thought it was a very simple storyline. And, mm-hmm. you know, while WWE takes the most simple path possible to the point where you're like, my God, it can't just be that simple. (laughs) Like there's gotta be some fly in the ointment, some monkey wrench here. And there isn't, I I think AEW continues to overcomplicate things too much going on. And I'm beginning to waver on the simple versus complex debate, believe it or not, as I have observed television over the last several weeks and months. Take us into that. Take it away. You drive the ship on this one. Okay. So earlier I said keeping the audience guessing along the journey is good, but not necessarily when there's no clear desirable destination. Okay. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about 97 WWF because that came up on the Facebook group. Okay. Perfect example of when the audience kind of knows what's going to happen but it's the how that you keep them guessing. SummerSlam 97, okay? Something that's fond in all of our hearts. They announced the stipulation, if Bret Hart does not win the WWF title, he will never wrestle in America again, okay? I remember very vividly when this was announced on television, I said there is zero chance Bret Hart is going to lose this match, (laughs) okay? Because that would be inane to take one of your top guys and have him not wrestle in the U.S. Yeah. 
But then they add the stipulation. Shawn Michaels is the referee. And if he favors the undertaker, he can't wrestle in the U S and all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, Brett's got to win, but how are they going to do this with Shawn Michaels as the referee? And what happened? They came up with the most beautiful finish of all fucking time. Yeah. And that's the magic. Uh, Bad Blood is another example that year. I think everybody at the time knew it was pretty clear they were going to Michaels and Hart at Survivor Series. But how is Shawn Michaels going to beat The Undertaker in a cage match where they're like hyping, oh, there could be no interference. He's locked in there. They come up with a cane deal. And that's great. And Again, I think having the simple versus complex. WWE is way too simple. Ray Charles can see what's coming. He's blind, by the way. Um, Was blind. He was. Yes, good point. Um, Stevie Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. We don't know. There are those Stevie. There were those Stevie Wonder truthers out there. Remember that? You ever see that when he like caught the cane on Saturday Night Live or whatever? What a piece of work that is. But um, I just think that like. Because Brian commented on Facebook, oh, you know, you don't know where it's going. It's good. But, like, I just don't think any of the destinations for AEW are that appealing sounding right now. Whereas WWE, all right, if they do Rock and Roman at WrestleMania, okay, it's probably going to be pretty like a slog to get there and the most basic thing ever. But that's going to draw a lot of money. So who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. What's better? So you, obvious are you, when you do it well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you are you saying that AW's costing themselves money with what they're doing? Yes. By putting that think, match early? Yes. I think a I think AEW is absolutely with the murkying of the like it's not just again that. I just think with these overcomplicated directions, I think it it hurts the pro the promotion overall. I think it makes it harder to get into. I had two people sit with me, didn't have a fucking clue what was going on for two hours. And I mean, I think that if they had a more straightforward build for all out, like I said, I think if they had built to CM Punk on the one year later, going for his, the AEW title for the first time, that would absolutely be better than what they're going to do in 11 days. I can't disagree. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and and I guess my big thing is the backstage drama. All these people are like, oh, this is kind of like keeping me guessing. I don't know. It is overwhelming the pay-per-view build, not enhancing it, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, I mean, half the news stories I see anymore are what's going on backstage and, at AEW. What's going on now with, with Sammy and Eddie Kingston? What's going on in the women's division? What's going on with Punk and Hangman and Punk and Moxley and all kinds of shit? And uh, I agree with you. It's it's there's it's there's too much of it. Yes, you're talking about '97 WWF, and we all knew what was going on with Brett and Sean. But they had this history, and we all wanted to see the match, and that kind of enhanced that interest. Here, too much. I agree with you. Overwhelming. The build, the lack of build for All Out. And yeah, they're, that's the build for All Out is the real life drama is what it feels like to me, unfortunately. Yeah, oh, so here's somebody who said this a lot more eloquently than I ever could, okay? It's somebody I've quoted before, uh, Lost, the guy who runs the PWO message board, okay? He tweeted this last night. I may be in the minority on this, and I can accept it if I am. But for me, 
if I'm watching a number two company, especially, make no mistake about it, AEW is number two in the marketplace. Palace intrigue is a real turnoff. If I'm watching a number two, I want to think they're competent, have their act together. It's clear where they're going. Everyone wants to be there. And that watching feels like a company trying against the odds to compete with a big giant. For a long time, that is what AEW felt like. Right now, it just feels like a damn clown show where people are shooting their own angles left and right. Nobody likes each other. And the roster's bloated. I mean, I'll go ahead right now. Give me an angle right now in this promotion. And I don't think it's any good. Give me any angle. The the Kenny thing, first of all, no one's talking about how his return tanked in the ratings last week. No one ever, I guess, I don't know if people were afraid to say it or what. It That did a terrible number last week. Terrible. Well, I mean, and it they, dropped. They should have announced it. They should have announced it ahead of time. They did all the work on BTE. Right. They just they, they assume did, people watch that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point about being plugged in, Max Caster last night, he had the line about the talent meeting in his rap. That drew crickets in the building. That right there. It, well, it, but go ahead. It isn't that, you know, a spotlight on maybe all this backstage stuff doesn't mean much to the majority of the AEW audience. That is just but, people like us who are invested in that kind of thing. But we're not, I, I just think it murkies the like, the storytelling isn't good. I think they're leaning on it, AEW. I think right now, like, Tony's like, oh, yeah, like, we're going to, like, sell this pay-per-view that, like, all hell's breaking loose. And I don't think it works at all. I think you know, our friend Zach Haydor had this tweet earlier today. I, you know, I think possibly looking at traditional storytelling might be a good idea for AEW right now. <laughs> I mean, look at the Omega deal, Okay. The announcing, I said, was all-time atrocious last week in the main event. Did not get mm-hmm. over the storyline at all. Uh, oh, by the way, Cole and the and um, O'Reilly and Fish turned on the Bucks. What was that, three weeks ago? We have not seen them since. The Bucks have, like, no soul that are just happy Kenny's back. No tease of that whatsoever because, I mean, the one side's hurt. But still, I mean, can they not come out and cut a promo? Are they on the phone with Triple H backstage while the show's going on? And then, you know, Kenny's now doing this thing with Osprey. So, I mean, you've totally forgotten about Cole. There were, you know, the turning on Dragon Lee last week wasn't even brought up this week at all. Roosh was in on Dark teaming with Butcher and the Blade. Uh, We had the Gun Boys turned on their father last week, which was, I think, not put in a good spot. And they had a match last night, and the end result of it was Swerve and Lee will be defending the tag team titles against the Acclaimed on the same card where Jim Ross and the other announcers are going to tell us all that FTR is the best tag team in the world. Oh, by the way, they were supposed to be in a six-man with Wardlow. That got thrown away, and they're working the Motor City Machine Guns for no reason. And that's a better tag match than the actual AEW tag match. So when Jim Ross says this is the best team in the world, he's not lying and it buries the AEW title match, tag team title match. Other than that, I mean, I think this is a very lovely build that AEW has going <laughs> towards all out. You know what? I will say, though, that that AEW tag title match is one of my most anticipated on the card because I was like, yes, finally the acclaims in the title picture. And then they're I think there's of- a pretty good chance they're going to win it. Well, I mean, why? Because they're going to go back to the Swerve Lee 
uh, problem storyline that they dropped. For, I think for those guys are week. going single. I think those guys are single, and you got to lean into the fact they claim super hot right now and have been for a I while. Think, I think they kind of cooled them off though, like after like this bait, like babyface turn a little bit. I mean, look yeah, at them; they kind of like know. got like laid out and they needed rescued by the champs. Boy, I don't know. They got Joe Biden to pop in that arena last night. No, Nina Turner's retweeting them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is this comment in the chat. And this is so true because, yeah, I said earlier, you know, Punk and Moxley really took me out of the show. All of a sudden, I was on my phone because I was trying to see because I didn't like it in the moment. And I was trying to see what other people thought. And, you know, Justin, Justin's more of a fan of it than us. I don't know who's right. You know, I might eventually look back on and say that was the right decision. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, I could change my mind on this. There were some very sharp people who did like it, and people are all over the map on this, but I wanted to see what people's, uh, what their perspectives were, and it just, you know, I kind of tuned out during that main event, which when you go back and watch, it was a really good match, but the finish, Kip Sabian? Yeah, that's another thing! <laughs> Sabian? What? And this was in the chat, Kip Sabian, yeah, it's a good example of their problems with telling stories. Why Kip Sabian? Like, why? Yeah, I mean, because, you know, and I was talking about with Rick in, in the Facebook group. He's like, well, they had to pay it off. But I'm like, my problem in that case is not paying off a story. It's fucking Kip Sabian. It's the position. He's involved in a yeah. main event thing. And, yeah. Okay. One of the positive things last night from Dynamite, I think we could all agree, was the performance of Will Ospreay, right? I got a text from mm-hmm. Johnson. He's like, this Will Ospreay is awesome. You know, he's Johnson. You know, let's be the first to tell you. He's not a big New Japan watcher. But he's like, this guy's outstanding. Okay, well, who's Will Ospreay working at the pay-per-view? And, okay, he's going to work the six-man tag next week. Is he going to mm-hmm. win? Probably not. No. So, okay, this guy was outstanding. He's just going to lose the next week, and when are we going to see him next? I, I I thought the opening segment was pretty good yesterday for what it was, but th- this whole wrestler versus sports entertainer? I don't like that either. Like you're like, I mean, the crowd was into it, but like Vince McMahon is gone. You do you're it not. Like, yeah. I was just gonna say you do it like one time. Okay. A little cheap shot at WWE, but for that to be like the whole thing that they always go to, it's just, it's a bad look. It, it makes them look minor league. I think I don't like that at all. Uh, it did seem like when they started with that, that the crowd was disappointed to, from the crowd shots they showed. I, they showed a couple of people they were kind of like, oh, because I think they wanted the world title match to be first. And honestly, I thought they might open with that just to do a, a good rating and, you know, draw on the viewers who were, I don't even know, was it Big Bang that was on before last night? I think it always is, yes. Yeah, so like uh, maybe drawing some people, you got this world title match. I, I just thought it was very bizarre how they positioned that world title match. I would have put it either first thing or dead last. Because well, it just, it again, it took me out of the show after it happened. And to put it earlier in the show, they should have followed up on it then. They had time to like check in on Punk's injury backstage, show him getting loaded in the ambulance, you know, something. They did nothing. They had, you had got a good Mox er, promo. Yeah, they had that, but that's it. But the story was what happened to Punk and that they didn't follow up on at all. Yeah, it was just to me, to me, it's almost like you want to see Mox work somebody else, not that loser CM Punk. Right. It just it to me it hurt the build all out in the end, and I feel like the end result is more in stone now. We'll see though. Just real quick on this placement on the card, I think it was the only spot it could be. I'm sure they figured it could be a pretty divisive ending, so you can't put it first and have it possibly sink the entire show. 
and you can't put it last because as, as you pointed out, and I believe our text thread, Ryan, you know, if they come out with 10 to five minutes left in the show, then, you know, some shenanigans are going to happen, which I think coming into the show to even begin with, knowing that they didn't really have any other options than to do this again at all out. I'm surprised more people weren't expecting something like this. It, I mean, at least there wasn't like a double count out or a disqualification or, or something like this. Well, I mean, you could, I mean, in a unification match, I don't think you could do a double D. I mean, I don't know if they even said it, but true. I mean, at the end of the day though, you're doing a return match regardless. Mm-hmm. But, um, I just, I, I don't know. To me, it, it's not just about that match. I am seeing up and down the card week after week, bad issues. And I mentioned on the Patreon show with Jesse, I was getting 87 Meltzer vibes when he was writing about WWF and Jim Crockett promotion. It's no secret which one Meltzer preferred. He's entitled to his opinion. Okay. But he was like getting really perturbed by what he was seeing booking wise out of the JCP camp and how Dusty was burnt as a booker. And it carried over an 88. And you could tell he's like, dude, this WWF product's like, I don't really like it, but it works. And they're yeah. winning. And yeah, okay. Jim Crockett Pro might be more critically acclaimed. It's got the hardcores, but they're not winning this battle. They're getting outmaneuvered in the areas that matter. And I'll talk about later the one key edge that AEW had in 2020, 2021 that is completely gone now. And and it hurts them quite a bit. But um, not only am I getting those 87 vibes when I watch AW, I'm getting early 2000s WWE vibes now too. And that's not a compliment. Like people will say, oh, well, let's just see where this goes. Okay, yeah, you're kind of right. Maybe that wasn't the best, but, you know, let's keep the faith. Let's see where it goes. Okay. You know, Stephanie McMahon, she was she's a shitty idea to be the owner of ECW. Let's see where that goes. You know, I mean, how many angles? I like it. Remind and what promotion would constantly lose track of its destination more than any? Well, other than latter era WCW, which went out of business. Early two thousands WWE. Yeah, they constantly lost the destination. They would have these ideas, and then they kept flip flopping on everything. And by the time they got to the end, it sucked. Yeah. Yeah, those aren't great comparisons, Kyle. <laughs> Not great if they're going down those roads. No, those uh-huh. those are things permanent declines, and I yeah. I'm doing this because I care. God damn it! I want this promotion to succeed. I think we all agree we like AEW. We want them to be an all you know, not just an alternative, but competition to yeah. the WWE. And if they keep going booking the way they're booking these last couple months, they ain't gonna be competition to the WWE. They're just not. And it doesn't matter if none of us like the WWE and it's boring and it's lame. The WWE is going to eat AEW for lunch if AEW does not fix its booking issues. I'm telling you right now, man. Do you agree? Like once they started doing the Ring of Honor stuff and bringing all those people and titles. Unnecessary. Totally lost a lot of focus at that moment, too. I saw that in the chat earlier. The only thing that was good about Ring of Honor is that it gave a vehicle forum for the Briscoes to be used. And that's why those shows, you know, I've seen some people say, oh, I'm surprised those shows did as well as they did. Well, it's because clearly people wanted to see FTR wrestle the Briscoes a couple yeah. times. That's the mm-hmm. only reason those shows did well. 
Yeah. It's not because people are like, oh, yeah, the underused guys in AEW have a place to work now. Nobody fucking thinks that. Okay, maybe five people do, but like not a significant number. It's though those shows did well because people wanted to see FTR work the Briscoes, and the Briscoes apparently can't work AEW. Oh, we always talk about the roster, and there's always this criticism with AEW that there's you know, too many people who are aimlessly on television, they're doing too much, and then bringing in some of you know the Ring of Honor stuff definitely added more cooks to the kitchen. And I think the whole idea for Tony Khan was that in him buying Ring of Honor, besides getting the tape library, obviously, was mm-hmm. that he could create for himself almost like an old territorial system. And Ring of Honor was never going to be developmental, but that could be a sandbox, you know, try out different things, have this other roster on the side. But the problem is they don't have television and he still feels like he has to involve it somehow. He paid a lot of money for Ring for Ring of Honor. So it just adds more stuff they have to get on TV and it just makes things too cramped. He loses focus. Uh, yeah, I think that that was right now. The, it's not working out great. And the New Japan stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't think the stuff they put on TV enhanced that build may have hurt it. Actually. I don't think that show would have done fewer viewers if they hadn't shot a single angle on TV. Yeah. I thought it should have been built up like an old school house show promos, video packages of the, of the new Japan guys. Let's go. It's interesting. As Stuart said in the chat, is this, is this where Khan is possibly showing his inexperienced booking? I mean, we know he can be a good booker. We saw it. We saw when he became more forcefully part of the booking decisions, the company improved. It's just that there's, I think it's just, there's way too much going on right now. And, and it's not just Ring of Honor. I, I know what you're doing on Saturday and Sunday mornings, Justin. Yep. You're watching the Premier League. He's got a mm-hmm. Premier League team to run. NFL season starting with the Jaguars. Uh, look, I know that somebody's going to like, you know, throw some fucking stupid Tony Robbins quote in my face or something when I say this, but I just think of like trying to run AEW, a Premier League team, and an, an NFL team are helping to run those. I'd be freaking fried. I couldn't do <laughs> Who can do that? Who right. would want to do that? Yeah. He needs to hire a booker. In three yeah. years, it used to be back in the day, bookers didn't last more than three years. You burned out. Yeah. I think he needs to take some time away, get some new ideas. And somebody needs to drop the hammer backstage, by the way. Yeah. Whether people like that or not back there. So like, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, we need Bill Watts walking around brandishing, you know, open carry. Okay. And I'm not calling for that, but I think somebody needs to lay the law down and say, motherfuckers, you're not shooting your own angles on Twitter. You heard it here first, folks. Kyle Ross wants the Undertaker in AEW. <laughs> Re- Wrestlers Court could be the answer in AEW. You hey, got, maybe, I mean, you got maybe. Sammy and, and Eddie Kingston issuing their own statements today to Fightful about what's going on with them. Uh, I mean, we, Thunder Rosa hiding supposedly from Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker, even though she trained MMA. Like, what? What the hell is going on? It's just okay. too much stuff. So it's it's so funny. And again, I'm glad you brought up the women because that was another one I haven't hit on. Tony boxed himself in this situation with bad booking. I brought this up in the past. Britt wins the title right after the unsanctioned match, right? This is going back a year at this mm. point. Over a year, okay, mm. to um, spring of 2021. And it seemed pretty logical to me 
And I think a lot of other people, okay, she just lost this unsanctioned match. Very good. Drew a lot of eyeballs, a lot of people talking about it. But now she's the champion. Is it not logical for her and Thunder Rosa to immediately go into a feud? But what Tony is like, no, no, no. But we're going to keep them apart. We're going to come back to it. And what he did was, and if there's any old timers in the chat right now, they'll appreciate this reference. It was a superstar Graham Bob Backlund situation all over again. When Graham won the title from Bruno and was told the day and to whom he was going to lose it to, Backlund. And the thing is, he got kind of hot, and people were like, eh, fuck, should he lose it? Well, they're like, no, we, it, it's the plan. You're losing it. And the similarity is Britt's run never got off the ground because everyone's like, well, when's this Thunder Rosa? Oh, early 2021. So everyone just keeps waiting for early 2021. And then Rosa wins it, and there's nothing to do for her. Mm-hmm. They, they, I mean, they, they need a mercy kill that run. Thunder Rosa? That's not good. Well, apparently Tony Storm was going to win it before they – Change the match, and apparently Rosa does have an injured back, from what I saw most I, recently. I understand, you know, there's some jobberitis going through that back. It's what I <laughs> uh, I actually also, you know, foresaw some heat between these two because if you remember, they had a dynamite in Pittsburgh where Britt got on the mic, and this was the show where they had one of the Steelers players there. Yeah, and I said on her show at the time, it seemed like she was legitimately pissed off the way she. You remember this? The way she was talking yes. in the ring, it seemed like very off script, and it seemed very real life that the shot she was taking about why she should still be the champion stuff was like that was legitimate. And now we're seeing it play out. I, I mean, it I, is. <laughs> I don't know when that heat started, but it seems that it's very real, very long yeah. term. I I just go back to it, and it's like, first of all, the women's champion should be Jade Cargill, not either of those two. And, you know, the, here's one of the people who potentially should be the biggest stars in the, your company. And she's persona non grata on television too much. Yeah. Two hours of television. That's the must see, the must see night, anyways. And, and too much going on to get everyone out there. Yeah. Th- there is if too many people. Yeah. yeah there's, there is too many people. I mean, again, do you really need to be concerned about who the hell's your number nine baby face? Who's your number nine heel? That seems like a pointless exercise to be concerned about. Like I retweeted something earlier in the week. The problem with AEW is they don't put 80% of the work into the top 20% of the, of the card. They just try to make everything seem so strong. And it's just like disjointed segments. Mm. That's what the TV is. I just, You said earlier that they've completely lost the advantage they had in 2020 and 2021 and that the window for them to actually compete with WWE is closing if it's not shut. Go into that, Kyle. Okay, so the key edge, and I think you guys are going to agree with this, not Adam Mm -hmm. Copeland, but the key edge that AEW had during the pandemic was WWE could not dress up at shows. They did not have Mm -hmm. a live audience. They couldn't run big buildings. They couldn't have all their fun graphics. Fun. Let's put that in air quotes. Okay. I mean, who gives the fucking raw robot can, you know, kiss my ass. But, and you stripped all that away. And the Vince McMahon led WWE, they had to put together a wrestling show and they didn't have a fucking clue how to do it. I mean, you go back and watch pandemic era WWE television. It was dire. It was hitting. I mean, you were one of the first, Ryan, I think, raise your hand and say, WTF is this? 
shows in front of empty chairs? <laughs> How did that get through? I thought that I mean, was the, a good idea. The Thunderdome was a improvement, but who wants to look at, I mean, you know, no offense, who wants to look at, like, you know, wrestling fans' faces up and close like that on videos? <laughs> Bunch Not of me. Screens. The Thunderdome? And so AEW, it seemed more lively. And they yeah. knew how to do a wrestling show where WWE is like, oh, my God, like, we can't dress this up. We don't know what to do. And now that advantage is gone. And, and I mean, the college football season's upon us. And, you know, I, I've been talking a lot. I've been writing recently. This is my shoot job about, you know, first-year head coaches inheriting a great situation. You know, the cupboard's not bare here. Triple H. He walks into what are his first two shows? Stadium show in Nashville, stadium show over uh, in Cardiff. Mm-hmm. It's going to look great on television. And what is Tony Khan doing not running a show over on the other side of the Atlantic before WWE when they yeah. have a fucking stadium? And they let him run Toronto first, too. They just drew 14,000 for Raw. And I know tickets are going well for the uh, AEW tapings in Toronto, but they're running some minor league building. And by the way, I just got to say this right now, okay, about Cleveland. The Burt L. and Iris S. Wolstein Center was a minor league venue, man. The audio the audio sucked in that building last night. I didn't even know what the hell people were saying half the time. Mm. The audio was wretched in that. I don't know if that was a, you know, Burt L. and Iris S. Wolstein Center issue, as I said, or... If it's an AEW issue with these, I would love to hear from people who've attended AEW tapings that aren't in like major league arenas. Cause it wasn't a problem when we went to the pay-per-views. Right. right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was, it was too dark. It felt like I was in a fucking library. It was a minor league feel last night in that building. And the casual viewer, whatever that means is going to gravitate to what they think is the bigger production. And the WWE as bland as it may be, just looks like a bigger production, and they've got that advantage back right now. I know uh, Garrett, I mentioned him earlier, him and Dave, They at least Garrett, I apologize if I've heard wrong. This is from the repack report. I got this, but I, I, it's my understanding the two of them, Dave and Garrett, have been saying, why is AEW not running more stadium shows, bigger venues? That's what you have to do. It's not about, ooh, wow, what a nice little story Daniel Bry- or, uh, Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia told in that two out of three falls match. Run a fucking stadium. One of the problems is they run the same markets over and over. Y- yes. Oh, like how many times they've been to Cleveland? I mean, since the pandemic, they've been there a couple of times. Since they started touring again, they've ran the same place. Not Arthur Ashe twice now, too, but they've been in New well, they York should go several there. times. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they run Texas. Yeah, they kind of run the same loop. They finally got out to California, but they haven't done anything up in the Pacific Northwest at all. They haven't done a whole lot of shows throughout the South. Obviously, they're stuck in Florida for a long time. Um, it's just it, it seems to me like they can't run bigger venues because they're running the same cities over and over and they don't let demand build up. And they're you burning know, like the towns they, out. Yeah, they started out running big venues. And of course, they've ran some big venues. But, like, this wasn't always the case where they looked more minor league. Like, we talked about on the show at the very beginning of AEW how good Dynamite looked. It was better lit than WWE. It reminded us of the way Nitro looked. And Nitro always looked better than Raw. It was just lit better. It looked and, more and, crisp. And, yeah. and don't think for one second that that wasn't a huge reason why they 
caught and exceeded them for 83 weeks. By the way, I saw yeah. Eric Bischoff on Twitter today. Let me get this in here. This ass. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a man who is uh, creatively, emotionally, and most importantly, financially bankrupt. Oh, by the way, uh, illiterate as well, or just uh, is bad faith and, and lies about reading books. I don't know uh, which is which, but it's one of those two. I saw him on Twitter today. Oh, is anyone going to talk about AEW year over year, their ratings? And like eight people are like, yeah, we do that every week, pal. And <laughs> and I tweeted at him. I'm like, you know, Eric, nobody knows about losing viewers year over year quite like you do. So you're an expert. <laughs> That's actually one time I would be very interested to hear Eric Bischoff. I mean, he, you talk about an expert at losing viewers and at record pace. Eric Bischoff, I mean, my God, he'd be number one if I was looking to do a podcast on that. <laughs> And, and yeah. here's and, and he always uses that rampage number that Punk drew last year. What what about the first SmackDown on Fox? What did yeah. that do like four million? Yeah, and they were so, down like a million the next week. Yeah, they're down fifty percent from that. But no, but Eric doesn't want to talk about that because he's bankrupt and wants money. Yeah. Or am I not allowed to say that? Well, I mean, all of cable television's down. You know, I mean, like last year when AEW was doing number one on cable, they were drawn what in the point fours and they got number one last night, point three, four. You know, we are seeing a lot, especially this always happens in the summer months and in August, too, in particular. Um, But we are seeing year over year drops. But that's like happening to a lot of people right now. But but the problem is WWE has stabilized, if not improved. Yes, that, that that that's that that's the concerning thing for AEW mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, Eric Bischoff, what a freaking tool! Speaking of tools, <laughs> uh, yeah, I also sent a tweet over to Mark Madden. Oh no, today because he Mark was on one. Uh, I apologize for bringing politics into the equation, people. I promise I'll keep this short. But uh, you know, Mark, we're we're all so glad here at Top Rope Nation that. You have no student debt. We're really proud of you. But we know, of course, you're still paying off that meal plan from college, I'm sure. Thank you very much. Oh, God. Kyle's been hot. You can tell. Mark fucking Madden. (laughs) Fucking idiot. (laughs) Well, we got one. We have one week to go. We got one more dynamite. You didn't stay for all rampage, Kyle. I didn't. I left. I would, so yep. that that's somebody. I dude. After that main event, I was just numb. So we moved over sections because so some these three guys sat in front of us where we were sitting originally in our normal seats, and they came right in front of the main event, and they were perplexed. But then the guy like started chanting like "You can't wrestle at Moxley," and I was like, "I'm not sitting by someone like this." I looked at the guys. I said, "I this is why I don't go to NFL games. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't." sit around or associate with stupid people. So we're going to leave this section and we're going to, we'll go to the production kills. When we get over there, um, I drop my beer when I get in the seat um, because this guy's elbow was back. Cause him and this chick, my God, I thought these two were ready to freaking get it on in this section. <laughs> I don't think they were very happy. We sat there. It was very awkward. I mean, it was awkward. You ever seen those videos? Like, you know, like from like the eighties where like two people are sitting in the upper deck at a baseball game, getting real Randy with each other. We were almost <laughs> at that level, man, with these two. Yeah. I don't know what was going on, but yeah. I, I, I just, Yeah. I mean, year this year over year thing got me thinking. So I pulled up the raw ratings and I'm looking to what they were doing last year at this exact moment in time. And they're pretty damn close to the same thing, to be honest with you. If you look at the, 
the demo ratings raw has done in 2022 0.55 0.53 0.54 0.61 on august 1st was their high for august you look at august last year 0.54 was their highest 0.55 0 0.49 0 0.51 like it's it's pretty close their highest hasn't reached last August. They, they, were, now, were they but. doing two million overall though last summer? I know that well, overall, whatever, but I, I don't remember. So they did. I mean, this summer, this summer, August first, they did two point two million. Then they dropped down to one point nine, one point nine again, and then this week we're right at two. Right, mm -hmm. last summer they were at one point nine two. 1.85, oh, 1.79. So okay. it, there's a little difference, but it's pretty damn close. But I, I mean, know they've well, they've increased from where they were earlier this year for yeah. sure. But if but, we talk year over year, it's not a huge difference. But when's the last time we were talking about WWE year over year and there wasn't a drop? Right. You know, I mean, I maybe it's just reached a point where they can't drop anymore. I mean, these people will. You yeah, know, I think that's kind of watch yeah. them. If you know Vince McMahon comes out and ejaculates all over them, they'll still watch or something like that. <laughs> Holy shit. By the way, it's nice to see Vince is getting out and about, isn't it? On the town. You had that tweet in the Facebook group, which, by the way, guys, get in the Facebook group if you're not there. And it was deleted, like, right after. I didn't even see the picture. Oh, the so tweet? Even... Oh, it's on TMZ? No, Vince was, yeah, with the lady friend. Visit, okay. Having dinner with John Cena and John Cena's lady friend last night. Oh, okay. It was yeah, not the, Linda. The The tweet that was, was linked had been deleted, so I hadn't seen that. Oh, well, yeah, it's yeah. Vince was out with the lady friend. Maybe you know. Maybe you, now you want to talk about getting his business back. There's a name who's not doing anything. That's who Tony Khan should hire to book Vince McMahon. What a story that would be <laughs> if Vince went and booked for AEW. Justin's all about it. I can see it. The, in his the eyes. old man. He just wants to prove he still got it. <laughs> I kid. Yeah. Uh, Jesse said exclusive footage of Punk backstage following the title match will be on Rampage tomorrow. See, again, to me, that should have been on Dynamite. People just don't watch Rampage. I know they're trying to get people to watch it by doing that. But to me, you had the big audience. You knew people were tuning in. You got to follow up on the show if that's the story is Punk is injured. That was just another big problem I had with it. I think instead of just jamming so many people on the show, they just need to focus on um, less people every show. There, there needs to be people in multiple segments, right? We saw it a little bit with uh, Mox and Punk last week where there was actually mm -hmm. the rare second segment. Yeah. So Thank you, whoever. So they like my shirt, by the way. Yes, that was uh, Ryan Gorman. Okay. Uh, so. yeah, I, I referenced Mark Mann and Eric Bischoff. That makes me think of Brian Pillman a little bit. Hmm. And I'll just say this, man. A mark is a guy who spends his last $15 on crack cocaine. A mark is a guy that believes OJ didn't do it. And a mark, in my opinion, is someone who thinks that AEW's got no problems right now. They got problems, <laughs> man. And we've ranted for 67 minutes. And... I'll say this. I'll put it. I, I don't think I can put it any more succinctly. If we didn't have to cover the pay per view, I would not order all out. I'm going. I'll be there, and oh, I will fun. say. I mean, I will say of all the AEW pay per views I've been to, I'm looking forward to this one from a match point the least easily. Like it's not even close. I'm looking forward to going because our friend Jesse Velasquez will be there with me. Tim Jensen oh, hey. will be there. 
So that'll be, it's going to be a fun weekend. Going to meet up with Zach Haydorn. It should be a lot of fun. Probably see Garrett this weekend as well. Uh, next weekend, I should say. But the show itself, yeah, it's been a deflating build. And I expected a lot better in the end. Hopefully we get a good show. We got one more week. I love how there's just an unnamed casino ladder match taking place too. <laughs> Nothing there's else. like there's a casino ladder Nobody match. It, women, tag teams, men, aliens. Yeah. Canceling student debt. <laughs> Gorman said in the chat, he was deflated by Mox and Punk, made him hate the interim thing more. Agreed. I didn't like the interim thing from the very beginning. I said that on and the show. Now they're doing they're it with doing- the women. Don't like it. Don't like it at all. Has not worked out for the best so far, I think. Any closing thoughts, gentlemen? Anything else we didn't hit that you want to get in? Either of you? Just Paul Levesque is deflated. the guy. <laughs> Paul Levesque is the guy. I kid. That's another thing. Like, here's the thing. The three of us are smart enough to know the show really hasn't improved dramatically, no. the WWE. No. But enough people think it has. And the WWE is always a pro a, a promotion that has thrived off the idea that perception is greater than reality. I think Vince McMahon, that's like one of his famous quotes, he ingrains in the yes men that work around it. Perception is greater than reality. And if the perception that the show's a lot better is there, AEW's got to fight that. And the perception is that AEW's not as hot as it was at this time last year. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, turmoil, I think. Not the first time. You mentioned when Tony Khan had to take the booking reins for himself in uh, late 2019. We were pretty harsh on AEW, I remember, going into 2020. And they turned it around in a major way, even despite the pandemic. They got to figure something out, man. Or at least make a fool out of me. I mean, if they do, if they come up with something great, I'll be the first one to say, Tony Khan, my hat's off to you. But, oh, well, the pay-per-view might still deliver. Or, oh, why don't you just turn your brain off for a little bit, Kyle, and stop hyper-analyzing. Where have I heard that before and about what promotion? Mmm. Mmm. Well, this is why people come to this podcast. Objective. Mm. We have been very positive on AEW for a long time. We're certainly capable of criticizing them, just like we criticize WWE. And we, we give positive reviews to WWE when they deserve it. It's just been an awful long time. And I think the bar for WWE is incredibly low right now. We said that when Hunter came into power, he barely has to do anything for it to look like a success. And so far, like, yeah, I do sense a little more excitement watching the show in the arenas and stuff. But I mean, I just don't, I don't think the product has improved that much personally. I hope it does. To your point about AEW running bigger venues for in four weeks now, four weeks from now, we'll be at the Arthur Ashe Stadium where they had their biggest crowd of all time. So Hopefully they can get some stuff together over the next four weeks coming out of all out. But uh, boy, they got a mess on their hands right now. And uh, they, they got to solidify things a little bit to be sure. Uh, so apparently there's going to be more coming out on Thunder Rosa uh, tonight. Voices of wrestling who had a lot of, I believe they're the ones who broke the hiding in the bathroom story. Yes. Uh, I believe they have even more. They're teasing. So we'll see. I'm sure something big will break right as I'm mixing the podcast because that's what always happens. Ooh, that was a horrible drop kick. Wait, what? Oh my god, was that like just reckless or just bad? Somebody is so like people are slamming Thunder Rosa on my timeline right now, oh. 
And there's like, like what a, are you talking about? There's a gif of her drop kicking Jamie Hader in the back of the head. If you wanted to give someone a concussion, this would be a great way to do it. Oof. Well, that's where the heat comes from, from uh, Baker and Jamie Hader. So, you know, the injuries. All right, boys and girls, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion. We've ranted long enough, I think. I think this will do for one week. <laughs> Next week, we've got two shows on the horizon. We've got Classics looking at SummerSlam 92, and we've got the all-out preview. We're going to put something out for that. Kyle's got a Top Rope Nation extra dropping real soon as well. As we said earlier with Rick Skelton, sign up, become <laughs> a patron if you're not already. I think I might try to upset as many people with that one. <laughs> just grab some headlines. Just, I don't know, just pick people that... Not pick everyone's favorites. Tell them why their favorites don't make my rush war. <laughs> so we got a lot of we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Stay tuned for that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're watching us right now and you haven't hit subscribe. Please do so. Turn that notification bell on as well so you get notified every time we go live or release a new video. And please leave a thumbs up on this video as well. Michael Jenkinson wants to know, Justin, when's the Justin Joint solo extra? Kyle and I have done a solo extra. You got one coming? Or maybe just co-hosting with somebody else? No, nope. Maybe I'll just uh, hop on by myself and spend 10 minutes talking about how great AEW is and how Tony <laughs> Khan can't do anything wrong. Justin, I mean, you got a new uh, addition to the family on the way soon. Maybe you can record a Top Rope Nation extra live from the birthing room. Oh, Jesus now, Christ. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you talk about hot. You talk about trying to hot shot a rating here, Ryan Rostin. My God. I don't know. If I, did that, if I did that with my luck, it'd be, end up being a rubber glove that came out. <laughs> although, although, although one good thing is we promised there would not be a return match 11 days later. I don't. I think science it doesn't work that way. Didn't Ryan Satin misunderstand pregnancy one time? Oh God, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in live. We had a, we had a pretty good show again. This was uh, as far as live viewership goes. I think this is the most we've done since SummerSlam. So I appreciate oh. everyone who tuned in live. Uh, definitely a little pick me up to see more of you in the live room. So if you're not if you're listening to the podcast version, you're not joining us live. Show up sometime. It's a lot of fun. Had a lot of chat messages coming up on the stream as we have gone, trying to get everyone involved. If you're kind enough to leave us your thoughts, I want to get those thoughts on the stream, get you heard as well. So we, pre we appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you're in that Facebook group. Closing thoughts before I click end stream, Justin Joint? Nope. He's just going to be our positive AEW fan for the night, Kyle. Kyle, anything else? Did you get everything out you wanted? I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I have an open mind, but I'm disappointed too. By the way, what's this new function on Restream here? I didn't touch it for fear. I mean, I know the last thing you want me doing is messing with these settings, but there's like a new extra camera function here. I have. Oh, you can you can involve two cameras in your stream now, can you? I'm not even seeing that on my end, and I'm the one producing the show, Kyle. You got you got options I don't have. You fucking kidding me? You think I could do a two camera <laughs> shoot on myself? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Before we go live, Kyle's always adjusting his lighting. Next week, he's going to have like professional lights and multiple camera angles, switching back and forth. And I'll forget to plug the microphone in. Yep, and I'll be for not. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, guys. Most interactive YouTube channel, Ryan Gorman says. We try to be. We try to be. No problem. All right, everybody. It's been episode 265 of Top Rope Nation. Hope you all have a great weekend. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Peace.